Engaging Leader, episode 145, Rethinking Accountability, how to use it to help your people unlock their strengths, featuring Jonathan Raymond, brought to you by Aspendale Communications and by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Accountability. Boy, to some people that's an ugly word, but to most leaders, we know it's very important and leaders everywhere are talking about it. But nobody seems to define what accountability really means. And more importantly, break it down into a set of skills that people can learn and apply. Now, according to Jonathan Raymond, accountability is about helping people unlock their strengths. He is the former CEO and chief brand officer of eMyth, the company behind the famous book, where he led the transformation of a global coaching brand. He's worked in tech, clean tech, and the nonprofit world. And today he's the principal of Refound, a company that provides training and mentoring for owners, executives, and managers. His brand new book that's going to be released just three days from now is Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting for. And we're going to get a sneak peek at that book today as we dig into one of the topics that uh, Jonathan discusses in the book, the topic of accountability. We're going to talk today about how you can have more powerful conversations with the people on your team, blending professional and personal growth in a way where everybody wins. Specifically, we're going to talk about a concept that Jonathan calls the accountability dial with five steps on there that you can use to have uh, coaching conversations in order to engage better with your people and help hold them accountable and nurture their professional and especially their personal growth. Jonathan Raymond, welcome to Engaging Leader. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. Jonathan, when you were a child, you put your finger on an important question that ends up being a recurring theme in your book. Why is it that men, even when they're lost, won't ask for directions? Yeah, it's. Uh, um, I tell the story in, in good authority. I think I was uh, 11 years old. I, sometimes I think I was nine. Sometimes I think I was 11. But my <laughs> mother was a psychology professor at a local uh, university near where we grew up. And um, I went to class with her. It was like, you know, bring your kid to school day. And so I was sitting in the front of the room with my, my Aquaman lunchbox and there was a bunch of undergrads and it was like psych 101 or, you know, psychology of men and women or something like that. And, uh, and she asked the class, she said, okay, so why is it just trying to understand kind of male psychology and, and female psychology? And, um, she said, why is it that men, even when they're lost, won't ask for directions? And, you know, people gave their answers and I was listening and I was a you know, precocious young kid, you know, <laughs> shocking, right? And, um, and uh, I raised my hand and she called on me and I said, well, um, I, have an a- I think I have the answer. And I, sa- and I said, well, the reason why men don't ask for directions is so that way when they figure it out, they get to be the hero. <laughs> and as you can imagine, I never lived that one down. And uh, it was many a Thanksgiving Day conversation. But, but what, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, how to, how to introduce this topic of good authority and what does it mean? And really, when I think about that phrase, I mean, of course, we can, we can laugh about it 
But I see that's true about, it's not just about men, it's about women, in, it's about who we think we are supposed to be uh, in a leadership role. We think that being an authority and being of value to others means reaching goals and having the answers. It's so deeply ingrained in what we think it means to be a leader. Even if we think, oh, no, I no, I know it's about asking questions and about <laughs> creating space for others. But we don't actually do that. We're very few of us have any real traction in being able to do that. And so uh, I started with that story to hopefully uh, have people laugh. I tried to keep the book funny. Um, but the uh, that idea is really, to me, central to the idea we have to undo or, 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 or unpack is that the highest value that you can add to your team is by not giving them the answers and, and right by not being the one who's always there, who's always the backstop, who everyone always, always checking in with. And, uh, and so try to redefine authority and, and what it means to be of value in that way. I found myself agreeing with you that that was true for me, that you, you, you warn about this false belief that many of us have about what it means to be a great leader, that what makes us valuable and gives us authority and credibility in other people's eyes is our ability to solve problems and reach goals, to be a hero. Right. And um, if you can intellectually say, no, 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 I know that's not what it's about, but um, it, it it's true it's, for a lot of us, at least it's true for me, that underlying everything, and uh, if I'm honest, deep down inside, I have this fear that if I'm not solving problems and reaching goals, then... What am I here for? I'm yes. not needed as a leader. Yeah. And that's that, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about, I make some obscure references probably if you didn't grow up in the 80s like you and I did. But I, <laughs> I talk about the existential pit of leadership despair, a little Princess Bride uh, reference. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's that moment when you do make that pivot, when you say, you know what, I'm actually going to try this. I'm going to see what happens if I leave the room. What happens if I don't give them the answer? What if I hold them accountable for their own growth? And you hit exactly that moment where you're like, what is my value here? And the only reason why I feel like I had the credibility to write this book, right? The world doesn't need more leadership books, right? But the only reason why I felt like I had the credibility to write this book is having gone through that moment painfully in my life of being like, well, okay, what is my value here? If I pull back from the ways that I learned how to lead, not, it's not anybody's fault. It's not my parents' fault. It's not, you know, it's, there's no evil villains in this cat, in this story, but I learned how to lead in this, you know, solving, solving problems, having the answer, reaching goals way. And, and I hit this moment of it's, it's, it's scary. What if I don't do that? And that's really what the book is about and seeing what happens on the other side of it. But there's, if I could, there's, there's this moment that you described so well. And I think this is what we don't appreciate is oftentimes we don't realize what actually happens when we find ourselves in a leadership role. There's very few people out there that started in the mailroom these days, that smarted and started in the mailroom and worked it up to middle management and then be, you know, to the C-level and then became, became the CEO and had this very gradual path up to this high point of leadership. That's very rare these days. Hmm. Mostly what happens is people, you know, they find themselves there and all of a sudden, okay, I'm in a leadership role. And I got transferred from another company. I started my own business. I, you know, whatever the, whatever the thing is. And what I think is really hard to appreciate is that you find yourself at the top of this ladder, but you didn't, you don't realize that you're there. You're at the top of this leadership ladder. And all of a sudden people start hearing what you say differently than the way you intended it. 
few people will actually come up the ladder to tell you, hey, Jesse, or hey, Jonathan, you know, here's what I really think about how you're running this organization. And so there's you all of a sudden you're in this and it feels very wobbly. And you're like, oh, you're like, what is going on here? All of a sudden, everybody's treating me in a different way. And then what happens? We freeze, right? And so that's what causes us to default to our bad habits is we freeze because we're in the, we're trying to hold ourselves up in this leadership space. And there's another way, but we don't know that there's another way in those moments. And so we get defensive, we shut down, we try to power through, we try to tell people, you know, no, sales are great this quarter. You know, things are doing, we're doing really well when, when everybody knows, you know, a big client walked out the door or what have you. So uh, there's so much in there for us as leaders to learn about ourselves uh, and, and also to, to give that gift to other people because we've, there's so many leaders inside a modern organization. So if, if, the good authority that your book, one of the premises is that it, it's the, the role of the leader is not about being the problem solver and the hero. What is it about? It's about creating the space for other people to grow. And the blend of personal and professional growth that, that I think, and I'm not the only one out there saying this, I think the world is ready for. We've been holding personal and professional growth separate for the last half century you know, the, the industry that I come out of, the coaching industry, the consulting industry, we've been, you know, if you read most leadership books, they're all filled with, you know, spiritual quotes and, you know, all high-minded ideas about personal growth. But then when we actually go into how we're leading our teams, uh, we don't approach it with that, you know, in that best self kind of way. And one of the things that I learned was that there's a way that you can do both. There's a way to do personal growth and really focus on the individual who's in front of you and trust that the organization's best interest will be served by that. And, uh, and that's what I think the, the leader's role is in the modern era. Not to have the answers. Of course, you have to be good at your, you have to work hard and be good at your particular skill. That's a given. But it's not nearly enough anymore. We live in the meaning economy. People are more mobile than ever in their, in their willingness to leave a job if they feel like they're not being served at the level of who they are, if they don't feel seen, if they don't feel valued, if they don't feel like their voice is heard. And I think that's your role as a modern leader is to create that space. And the best way to create that space is to admit that you don't know how, hmm. is, to, is to go to your team and say, hey, I want to I change things here. I'm not exactly sure how to do that, but you know, I, I'm exploring these ideas. What do you guys think of this? and invite your team into a conversation of how do we make this a more meaningful place to work for everybody? Of course, we have to reach our goals. Of course, we have to hit our numbers and we have to think about what, how we want to evolve the product. But what else? How, what, how else can we uh, create a meaningful place to work for all of us so that everybody gets uh, what they want out of this? One of the, you, you mentioned uh, in the introduction of the book that the, the good authority is based on three core principles. And one of them is that the deepest purpose of a business is to change the lives of the people who work there. Mm. I think that is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners mm. where we get really excited about the opportunity for our organizations to change our communities and change the world. But um, as leaders, a lot of times we're, we focus on changing ourselves, fulfilling, uh, growing and making progress ourselves. But what about the opportunity as, a, as an engine of personal development for the people in our organizations yeah. as well? 
Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting. I love that you said that because it's a really interesting phenomenon that I discover with leaders that I talk to, CEOs, VPs. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Is that what people really want? They're afraid to admit, which is they actually want to create a life changing place to work. And when you talk to leaders, the most meaningful moments they have is, you know, this person works for me who never went to college and they just bought their first home or, you know, these these meaningful moments of leadership that it's not about being on the cover of Inc. magazine, though, you know, who doesn't want to be on the cover of Inc. magazine? (laughs) That's that's nice. But the but there's this this internal conversation. And I think. Most of us, myself included, I needed to give myself permission that, yeah, that's okay to make this place of business a place of personal development and that that can be our central goal here. And, and if somebody's not up and the only, the reason why we don't do that is that we're worried about, well, what if people aren't up for that journey? Right. And, and it's very simple. If somebody is not up for the journey of personal development, they don't belong in your business. And you know that. That may be hard. That may be difficult conversation to have. But there's nobody who's great at their work who isn't looking at themselves. Nobody. Hmm. And so in one form or another. And so that so how could you not make your culture based in that in one way? Yeah, that's like, I guess I never thought about it that way. But that's like saying that we're not going to be a learning organization. Every right. company these days wants to be a learning organization. Right. So therefore... Don't come here and work unless you're willing to be investing in personal development. Yeah. Hmm. And I think, that, I think it's important to, get to do that from the start. It's something I didn't do early on. And then I started to do in, in the recruiting and hiring process is I would design my interview. One of my favorite things to do is work with leaders on how to interview. I don't have a course on it yet. Maybe someday I will. But I do it in private meetings with CEOs is, is coach them on how to ask questions that help you gauge, is this person interested in growing or not? Hmm. And, and to, to not to knock them off balance to be a pain, not to be a jerk, but to actually probe and see, well, do the, is this person introspective? When, when times get tough here, which they will, are they going to get defensive, pass the buck, kick the can, make excuses? Or are they going to go, wow, I, you know, I never, I never realized that I do that. I want to I change that because those are the people that you want. So, how do I, as the leader, get over the concern, though, that my people um, are going to feel like I'm, you know, working on them or, or wanting <laughs> to be their therapist when I, yeah. when I try to coach them or, or hold them accountable? Yeah, I think, you know, in good authority, one of the, it's one of the myths that I tried to debunk uh, is, well, you know, I'm not their therapist, I, you know, I don't, and I don't want to be seen as their therapist. So the way you do that is you stick to the work. You make it about competence. And you can do all the personal development you ever need by focusing on how people show up in meetings, whether they speak their mind, how they, you can, you can do personal development with how people relate to project management tool, right? The way that they communicate with their teammates. And all you have to do is focus on the way people show up in small ways, not in big ways. Don't get lost in values, visions, and brands and all that stuff. It's not that that doesn't have value. But put that aside when you're thinking about engagement and, and, and bringing out the best in people. And, ref, and all you have to do is reflect to them, hey, you know, I noticed when you're in meetings with 
uh, senior executives that you tend to be you tend to be really reserved. And I was I'm curious about that because I know you have opinions about that. That's personal development. That's not, you know, tell me about your mother. That's not, you know, you know, that's not crying on the couch. Although crying on the couch is fine if that's ha- if that happens. You know, it's we're human beings here. Sometimes people have rough things going on in their life. It's a it's a stressful world. But you don't have to go there. I, you shouldn't go there. That all that stuff is out of bounds. All you have to do is talk about work and trust that when you show people how they're showing up, they'll make the connections. They will say, "Oh my God, you know, my wife has been telling me that for 20 years. Hmm. I don't even, I don't even know, I don't even know how those two things are connected." But so what you're saying is, if I change this at work, they, you don't even have to. T- they they make the connection for themselves. Wow, if I learn how to, you know, if I learn how to stop doing others other people's work here, well, I'm going to stop, you know, caretaking my brother-in-law and you know how he's, you know, always taking advantage of my generosity or whatever. It's it's one and the same. It's not one to one but they're connected. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not one-to-one, but they, they are connected. <laughs> yeah, I hate that phrase where people say, how you do one thing is how you do everything. No, it's not. We're, we're much more complex, dynamic beings than that, but they're related. The way we do one thing is related to the way we do other things. Now, you've written that everyone is talking about accountability, but nobody is defining what it really means. Explain yeah. that for us. So when you think of accountability, you know, I, I, I'll ask people, what, you know, what's their first association with accountability, right? Most people will say like, oh, being sent to the principal's office or, you know, <laughs> maybe I had a tough parent or, but we think of it as this one-off event. We think like, okay, somebody screwed up and then they're supposed to be held accountable, right? Or, or we think we screwed up and we're supposed to hold ourselves accountable. But it's this very binary, cold um, thing, that very mental construct that we've operated with. And I think of accountability as a spectrum or a continuum. Accountability is a, is a long-term conversation that you have with somebody about helping them unlock their strengths. So, you know, if you, if you have, there's a lot of lousy coaches out there, but if you work with a good coach or a good <laughs> consultant, they don't try to hold you accountable in one meeting, right? They would never do that. They would never say, hey, I've been listening to you talk for the last three months about the way your organization is. And I've decided that today I'm going to hold you accountable. And so you're fired. Right? Like, <laughs> you're, a coach or a consultant would never do that. But managers do this all the time, hmm. right? They ignore, they ignore behavior. They, they, they drop hints and, but don't really speak honestly or directly or with candor. And then three months later, they say, Hey, yeah, it's not really working out. And uh, you're not hitting your goals. And so we're moving on, right? We Managers do this all the time. Accountability, if you think about it in this new way, is saying to somebody, hey, you're sh- I, here's how I think you're showing up. And I'm your manager or I'm the CEO. And so I, I get to tell you, that's part of my role is, and my responsibility is to tell you how I see you showing up. Here's how I see you showing up. Are you up for changing that? Do you see that that's problematic and that and that that that's not the best person that you that's not the best version of yourself? Do you agree with me about that? Yeah, totally. I, I most people will say, yeah, totally. I want to I want to change that. I don't want to be disengaged. I don't want to be the person. I don't want to be the naysayer. I don't want to be the person who's causing problems for my teammates. Awesome. Let's develop a plan, you and me, on how we're going to help you change that. It's your responsibility. It's it's your growth. It's your life. It's not my life. But it's in my self-interest that you grow. Um, I, I want to see you become a, a really important member of this team. Let's, let's get in conversation and let's meet every week to talk about 
how, how you're going to, what steps are you going to take? And, and I'll be your accountability partner in helping you change this pattern. I have accountability partners in my life. I go to leadership workshops. I read books. I have coaches. I want to provide you some of that service as somebody who works here uh, because, because I know how valuable that is to have somebody in your life who says, hey, wait a second. You, you said you were going to do X and it's been a couple of weeks. What's going on? So are you up for that? And, you know, most any good employee is going to be like, oh, my God, yes, thank you so much. Okay, let's shake hands. Is it going to be all, you know, roses and honey after that? No, of course not. But change doesn't isn't roses and honey. It's it's sometimes it is. But a lot of times it's it's people saying, hey, you know, you committed to this and it's important that you follow through. And sometimes we need intensity. We need boundaries. And, you know, what I've tried to do is in the accountability dial uh, people can get the free version on the website and you know email me or whatever. Uh, but tried to give people a method for how to do this in a way that doesn't. It's not about defensiveness or triggering shame or or criticizing people or micromanaging them. It's about supporting them, guiding them to become the kind of person they want to be. Hey, engagers, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But first, I want to tell you a story about FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Recently, I was asked to be part of a team of consultants assisting with the merger of three large organizations. Every one of us was an expert in our field, but we hadn't all worked together before, and the team's project leader needed a way to keep everyone's time and expenses organized. I suggested that we use FreshBooks because it's so simple and easy to use, and I was able to get everyone plugged into the system very quickly. Thanks to FreshBooks, we were able to stay focused on helping the client rather than spending a lot of time on administrative tasks. FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to our listeners totally free right now, and you don't even need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com forward slash leader and enter engaging leader in the section that asks how you heard about FreshBooks. Yeah, would it be appropriate to, to talk about the, the some of the basic steps on the accountability dial, like starting with sure. the dimension? Tell us about sure. that. What I've done is, uh, and working this through with clients, is to try to break the accountability conversation down into five steps. So I don't know if we'll get into all of them, but what they are is the mention, the invitation, the conversation, the boundary, and the limit. And so if you think about it, not so much as really like a dial, right? So where you're slowly but surely turning up the heat on a behavior that that you that you've seen, that you believe, and you hopefully get this person's buy-in that they want to change. So the first step is the mention, and it's literally that. I tried to come up with words that were reflecting of what it actually is. So it's literally pointing out to somebody, hey, I've noticed that you, you, know, you seem a little out of sorts this week. Uh, you know, is there something going on? Right? It's not you know, at this heavy-handed, authoritative, you know, coming from being the boss kind of place. It's just, hey, I noticed that there's something going on. So you're mentioning something that you see. So uh, let, let me ask you about the mention one thing. I guess I, I was a little bit concerned when I read about this in the book that if I practiced this, that I would come across as this leader who is forever looking for things to, negatives to point people out about. How do you, how do you take care not to be that guy? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a, there, you know, some of my clients get this over time where they say, oh, you know what I, what they say, you know, I thought when I, when I first started, I thought that this was, that it, it seemed like I was going to become a micromanager. Right. And what I've and what I've realized is it's actually not micromanaging at all. And that micromanaging is when it comes to like tasks and projects is the constant check ins. And where is that? And how are we doing? And what about that deadline? And, you know, did you see that email? Right. That's micromanaging. Don't do it. (laughs) Stay away. Avoid. (laughs) Uh, But but it's a it's kind of a micro awareness, I would say, or micro presence 
is the mention is is noticing because look when you see you know how often in our life when you you know we all, we're used to these you know cashier checkout moments where someone hey how are you today where people pretend to be interested in us but they're not really right that's kind of this this weird social contract that we have in our in our culture a lot of cultures but what you're basically saying is hey I see you I get that there's something going on and it's not severe it's not the end of the world but but I see you and I, and I value you as a human being enough to say something. And what you'll find when you use the mention is people go, oh, this is what the common response you'll get is like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know. I, I was hoping nobody noticed. But, you know, thanks for saying something. I'm having a really rough week. And wow, that really means a lot to me that you that you said something because people your employees have learned to not bring their full selves into the workplace. And so mm-hmm. by using the mention you're, you're saying to them, hey, it's okay. It's fine. I, we all have, we all make mistakes. We all, leaders, we all leaders, we love to say, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. I want you to take risks. I want you to be creative. We're really good at saying that, but we're terrible at embodying that, mm-hmm. right? And so the mention is the cure for that, is to say, hey, look, you know, that I, you know, I noticed something um, that, you know, went out in the newsletter that was, you know, wasn't your best. Um, I'm curious what's going on. As a doorway into a conversation, Right where they say, oh, you know what? I'm just I'm so overwhelmed right now. I feel like I have too many projects, not enough time. You know, I feel like the departments are not communicating with each other. It's a way to surface conversations and interdepartmental issues and, and leadership dysfunction. You don't you don't even you have things you might even realize you're doing that you might be so easy for you to fix as the CEO, but you can't get the information right. And so the mention is is in practice. So you'll find it's the opposite of micromanagement. It doesn't feel that way. It just gives people the experience that, oh, there's a, this is a human place to work. So in the mention, you're sort of constantly giving feedback, uh, good or bad, I guess, being aware of what, what, what's going on with people and just make a, a relatively casual mention, planting a seed, if you will, if there's some sort of opportunity for improvement. Yeah. And I would say you're doing, you're not doing that on everything you see. You're doing it on the behaviors that you there's two kinds of behaviors, right? There's the ones that when you, two kinds of seeds you want to plant. One is when you see somebody engaging in a behavior that that you know is potentially problematic and maybe already has become so, right? Those are the ones that we that we can usually think of. But it's also when people do things well, right? You use the mention in a positive way, like, "Hey, um, I just want to say that was a really great email that you sent." Um, and I know it might not seem that big a deal, but I just want to highlight, you know, you obviously took the time to, to really explain to the client, you know, what that was about. And I really appreciate that. That's another example of the mention that most managers, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to, you know, when I work with leaders, I don't like to make rigid rules. Like I don't want you, you know, you should praise your employees 14 times a day. Like <laughs> you know, I, I hate that because then it, 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 it undermines the very thing that we're trying to do, which is to create a human place to work. But, it's, but it is planting those seeds. But it's not just, hey, if that behavior becomes a pattern, it's going to become a, pro- become a problem. It's also, hey, if that be- behavior becomes a pattern, it's going to become a promotion. Gotcha. Yes. All right. So that, the first uh, step on that click on the dial is the mention. So what's, what's number two? So, the, so number two is what I call the invitation. And that's when, uh, you know, let's say you have somebody who, you know, you notice them kind of showing up late. It doesn't, that's not about a time punching thing, time punching thing, but you notice that they're, they're showing up late or, you know, the person who leaves at five o'clock on the dot every day, right? Like, you know, if somebody's leaving at five o'clock on the dot every day, unless it's a time clock kind of job, which very few jobs are these days, 
uh, you know there's something going on, right? They're they're not inspired. They're if you know it's it's not about staying late. It's about the energy that people bring to their work. So let's say you know you notice that they you know they're always in at exactly at nine o'clock or nine o two, right? And they you know they they show up to meetings and they kind of sit quietly you know in the corner and they don't really share new ideas. Um, and then you saw like there was a project that, you know, there were some open tasks that some people needed to grab or, 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 you know, take hold of. And you didn't know, and you noticed that they, they weren't on the list of people who volunteered to take up a little extra. So you're, you're stitching together behavior that you see. You, you, there's two or three things and you're saying, Hey, I, you know, in your weekly meeting, it's not a, uh, you're not sending them a letter. You're not you're not waiting for a quarterly review, but you say, Hey, you know, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to have a conversation with you about how you're doing. Can we, can we do that? Sure. Yeah. So I noticed a couple of things over the last couple of weeks and, and I don't know what to make of it, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of things that I saw that not any single one of them is not that big a deal, but, it, but I want to highlight it and see if there's a pattern and see if there's something that we, that we could go deeper on. And you, and you literally name, Hey, you know, so I noticed this and I noticed that, and I noticed that, you know, what do you, what do you make of that? You know, is there, is there some, is there a common thread? And, you know, you might, people might get defensive at first, and then you say, okay, well, you know, if that's, you know, maybe it's nothing, right? But people will notice and they will value, even if they don't like it at first, oh, my boss is noticing that I'm disengaged. And that's the invitation that people need. You know, people, people will hide for a really long time. The larger the organization, the easier it can be oftentimes. People will hide for a really long time. And, and that's what, you know, people are, well, why are company culture, why don't company cultures work? It's because, well, well, people aren't being themselves. Well, why aren't people being themselves? It's because they're being given permission to hide. They're, we've created cultures where we've said, hey, it's okay to hide. And so the, the mention and the invitation is to say, hey, I don't, I don't want to create a place where people feel like hiding. That's not the culture that I want to create. And, and if you feel like this is a place where you have to hide and you've gotten support and guidance and mentoring, then maybe this isn't the right place for you. Mm-hmm. And those are the conversations that we need to be having from a spirit of generosity, from a spirit of, hey, I want the best for you in your life. And if you don't feel like your skill set is valued here, well, let's talk about a transition. And most of those conversations don't happen in the right way because we wait way too long to engage with people about what's going on for them. Yeah, absolutely. So in the mention, it was kind of a casual planting a seed um, pr- purposefully, but um, in the invitation, it's you're, you're revisiting something you've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You're turning the heat up a bit, just slightly, uh, yep. and you're actually energizing your authority. You're sort of uh, pulling your weight a little bit, yeah. throwing your weight yeah, around a little bit. Yeah, you're saying... You're saying, hey, you know, I have like this emotional subtext, right? Which is, hey, remember that thing that I said? You seem to have forgot about it, but I just wanted you to know that I haven't. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the invitation. That's the energy of the invitation where where it's, it's basically saying, hey, I, I am in this role of mentor, manager, leader here. We've agreed on that. That's part of the deal of working here. And you don't seem to be picking up the breadcrumbs. So I wanted you to know that I see that you don't seem to be picking them up, right? And you can be playful about that, mm-hmm. you know, and you can, you can have a lot of fun with the accountability dial. And, and that's part of part yeah. of the healing process is to not think about accountability as punishment, but think about it as, you know, who doesn't need that, right? Like who doesn't need that from people in their life to be able to those invitations to grow? We, you know, we don't, we don't change 
things we've learned how to do over 30 years, we don't change those overnight, right? We need somebody to say, hey, you know, here's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. So you assume that you've clicked the two dials, the dial twice now, and they're, they're still not really um, picking up the ball and, and making yeah. a change in this area. What's the, what's the third click? The third click is what I call the conversation. And it's something that I recommend you do in a standing weekly meeting so that you have some time to develop these themes. And, you know, I always recommend with my clients that they meet with their direct reports every week for at least a half an hour. And one of the one of the cool things about that is people say, well, I can't do that. I have 27 people reporting to me. So it becomes yes. a really good diagnostic to see, oh, there's a problem on the org chart, right? Because <laughs> if you have 27 people reporting to you, you have a problem. So, uh, but in that weekly meeting, uh, what I give clients is what I call the four questions. So let's say the issue is time management. What you want to do is guide somebody to see how that behavior that you've been pointing out to them is having adverse impacts on the people in their life, including on themselves. So the four, four, these are the four questions is how is, when you struggle with time management, how is that making life harder or more work for your teammates? That's question one. Question two how, when you struggle with time management, how is it making life harder or more difficult or more frustrating for our customers or our vendors or what stakeholders, whatever, depending on what their role is? That's a question two. Question three is, when you struggle with time management, how is that making life harder or making things more difficult in our relationship between you and me as your manager? And then the fourth question, which is the most important one, is when you struggle with time management, how is it making, how is it holding you back? from being the kind of person that you want to become. And what I found is that by inviting people to consider the impacts of their behavior, that's the fastest way to get people to see, oh my Lord, I had no idea that that's that the people, it's very hard for us to connect how, how we're behaving to the impacts that are having. And then we, and then all of a sudden we, we go, oh man, I don't, I don't want to do that to my team. I care about my teammates. Like, I don't want to be the bottleneck. I don't want to be the, the one that people are complaining about. I don't want to make things harder for you as my manager. I don't want to, you know, most people have good intentions and, and want the best for the people around them. And so by, by using those four questions in the conversation, that's the, where the magic happens is people will make the connection to, wow, I never really saw how I was showing up. And wow, I'm showing up in my life in exactly the same way or in ways that are very similar or maybe in the opposite way, right? Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm way too harsh with people at work because I'm way too forgiving with people in my personal life and I let people walk all over me, right? Like we said earlier, it's not necessarily one-to-one, but by helping people see the impacts, you give them the, the, the permission to make those connections and, and then life-changing things happen as a result in the conversation. And if they they don't, or if you need another notch, that's when we go to the boundary and the limit. Hmm. So those are the five clicks on the accountability dial, the mention, invitation, the conversation, the boundary, and the limit. So your book now, The Good Authority, is coming out in just three days from now. It's, it's going to be coming out on October 4th. Is that right? Yes, that's right. The gods of Amazon be willing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell us where people can find, get their hands on the book and where they can find out more about you and your work, Jonathan. Oh, so uh, the book is on Amazon. If you just do a search for good authority, 
uh, it'll come up there and uh, you can get, uh, we've got a hardbound book, which I think really came out really beautifully. I'm really, uh, the designers did such an amazing job with that. Um, and we also have the audio book, which I had the fortune to read myself, which was really fun. Um, and also the, the Kindle version or, you know, it, other versions are available in different formats. Um, so Amazon is probably the best place you can get it at Barnes and Noble, uh, 1-800-CEO-READ. They've got, you know, the bulk order options and uh, IndiePub uh, as well. Um, so, you know, Amazon's the easiest place this week. We're doing some cool things for launch week. Uh, just, you know, type in good authority and it'll, it'll come up first there. And then my website is refound.com, which is like the word rebound, but with an F like Frank. And um, we've got a whole bunch of tools and resources. If you go to refound.com slash resources, that's where all of our free articles and tools and uh, tools for, you know, planning your meeting, designing your meeting, how to have these uh, one-on-ones in, a, in, these, in these personal growth one-on-ones, how to avoid, uh, you know, getting stuck in defensiveness and, or, you know, feeling like you're becoming a micromanager. It's the opposite of that, but we've got some great tools for, for people to use there and, and, uh, a whole bunch of resources available on the site, uh, and an online course. If people want to take the next step, uh, at refound.com slash training. What about the, if, if someone's listening to this and they they get the book and they're, and they're really excited about the whole opportunity to um, not just have an impact on the outside world through their business, but to truly impact the people in, mm-hmm. uh, inside their business. Um, if they really want to get really intensive with you, what's, what's the right step for them to take? I have a, I, I call it the 90 day culture change bootcamp because I can't think of a better thing to call it right now. <laughs> but uh, what I've done is, is try to put the word out to really personal growth, socially conscious, or even just, you know, experimentally minded CEOs who say, you know what, I'm, I want to try something new. I've tried all the things that are out there. I've, I've written visions and values and brands, and I've done all this stuff and we've had all kinds of workshops and yeah, there's been some good ideas, but nothing has really stuck. If that's you, uh, you know, I would love to, I would love to get on the phone with you because the, what I do is I work with one organization at a time. I really work with one leader and one leadership team and as many people in the organization as we can uh, in an intensive format over 90 days to really show everybody in the organization who has people reporting to them how to have this personal and professional growth conversation, how to do accountability in a way that unlocks people's own motivation for growth. And so um, the people can find that uh, if you email me at, you know, hello at refound.com, I can send you a link to that page. It's not a publicly available page. It's a, it's a exclusive program because I only, I only have space for one organization to do that as a time at a time until I figure out how to clone myself. <laughs> hey, when you figure out how to clone yourself, let me know too, will you? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hopefully I never figure out how to do that. And hopefully you never figure out how to do that. <laughs> right. But uh, that's, that's a really fun program and uh, it's something that I love to do because what, what I've tried to do is, you know, I, I, when I was running Emeth over, you know, kind of three or four years, I, I did a lot of things that some things that worked, some things that didn't work and things that I would have done earlier. And so I've really tried to consolidate that culture change project that I did over three years into a three month program and really bring the, the best of what I know how to do uh, in, in, a, in a really um, personal format uh, that's both about the leader making some personal changes, but also making sure that everybody else is pulling their weight in the personal growth change process. Because what I found from my own experience, and I've worked with so many leaders, leaders take way too much responsibility on themselves 
to change the culture. And the secret, which goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, is handing the keys for personal growth over to your team, over to your fellow leaders, over to the people who are managing teams and departments and divisions. And some beautiful things happen when we do that. Hmm. So don't try to be a hero. Try to yeah. instead create the space and, uh, and uh, coaching to help your, your people do it. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Jonathan Redman, uh, we've, we've been talking about your book, Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us on Engaging Leader. Uh, thanks so much for having me on, Jesse. That was a lot of fun. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the information and links that Jonathan mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 145, as in episode 145. I definitely encourage everybody to go out and get a copy of Good Authority. It's filled with, it's a it's an entertaining read and there's lots of really good content in here. Thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Remember, you can claim a free month if you go to freshbooks.com forward slash leader and enter engaging leader in the section that says, how did you hear about us? This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.